0: Amen, amen. Good morning, church. Man, excited to be in the house of God with you today. Once again, if this is your first time, we just want to say welcome. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here, and and we are excited today just to get to to see what God's Word has in store for us. But man, God is so good. Look at your neighbor and just say, God is good. That's right. Now look at your other neighbor and say, God is really, really good. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Now let's see, uh, let's get some connecting points here. Now you don't have to raise your hand, but I just want to bring to life a couple of maybe lines that you have heard throughout your life. How many of you just maybe a nod or maybe say, yep, that's me. Uh, You ever heard this before? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that one before. What about do to others what you would have them do to you? Yeah. Yeah. Here's one of my favorite ones. Uh, Take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of another's. Yeah, some of you are like looking at your spouse and being like, yeah, mm -hmm." just kidding. Don't do that at all. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, turn and offer him the other cheek. Heard that one? My grandfather used to make this line though. He said, I only got one other cheek. After that, it is on. That's the way my grandfather was raised. That was the way he would always say. What about this one? Mm. Man, this one's going to be tough. Love your enemy and bless those who persecute you. That's tough, right? These lines, we've heard them throughout our life. And we want to bring life. Where do they come from? Where does these, where do these lines that we've heard all throughout our culture, maybe all throughout our upbringing, where do they come from? Well, they come from one of the most famous teachings of Jesus, or maybe one of the more recognized, or maybe complete teachings of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bibles, you'll find the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus has been at the start of his ministry, come out of the wilderness, and through chapter four, we we've seen him raise up a few disciples. But then in chapter five, we see it shift to where he gives what we call his first teaching, almost like the manifesto of who he is and what the life of the kingdom looks like. Now, if you were to go through just these lists here, you'll find that, man, these are challenging, that they're even puzzling. But through Jesus, we find how masterful these sayings are and so what we want to do over the next few weeks is what we want to connect. We really want to bring to life what Jesus is saying in this teaching. And we're going to do it slowly. It's almost like what's the year 2024 like look like for Foundation Church? We're going to go through this Sermon on the Mount slowly, enjoy just hearing the words of Jesus spoken, what He taught and what he brings to life. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at just the first, four ver- f- first few verses of Matthew chapter 5. You would heard them called the Beatitudes or the Blessings. We're going to look slowly at those. But before we even go into that today, I'm just setting up the introduction for the series. I want to show, show you where Jesus has just been that allows us to step into what he is going to begin to say. And So this today is an introduction for you into our series that we're calling blessed. And so we're going to be stepping into that. And I want to just set up for a moment here is that I, I grew up in a church, a uh, Globe Christian church that has stained glass windows. Anybody went to a church with stained glass windows maybe growing up? Or it's beautiful. Like on a morning like this, the lights start coming in and the whole room just transcends in color. Well, then you also see in a lot of churches, they'll have like these, these stained glass pictures of Jesus that are, you know, either kneeling or maybe on the cross And I think there's a real tension that we all have that that's how we still see Jesus. That he's just like this stained glass figure that has over the course of time portrayed these teachings or teachings or has been this, this character in a novel that we continually live our life around. And so here's what I want to bring to life today first. If we want to begin in verse chapter four, verse 23, it says, and he, in verse 23, it says, and he went. This being Jesus, and I want to just kind of step into reality. We're talking about a real person here. We're talking about a man whose name Jesus, who came into this world, God in flesh, the promised Messiah, the one to come, the Jesus Christ, a real person. It's like he walked like we walked. He talked like we talked. Well, maybe not. You're exactly thinking like we talked. You know, um, just country, Eastern Kentucky but he had his own dialect. He's had his own way in which he woke up every single morning. He went to bed and he slept. He ate, he drank. A real person that comes to life here today. And so as we begin to step into the series, I want to bring to the reality that Jesus is real, that he's real today, that he's real. That over 2,000 years ago, he came on the scene and he began to proclaim the words that we're going to be looking at today. So he's not just something distant. He's not just something that is imaginative, but he's real. He's real today and he wants to meet you. And so Matthew four twenty three kind of sets the scene here with us. And he says, and he went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel? What is the gospel ultimately for us? What is the gospel for those in this text? Well, the gospel, if you look up, it just simply means good news. Eungaleon is the Greek for it. It means good news. Well, what is good news? what If you would just imagine for today, what would be good news for you? What would that be? That if today, if you were stepping in a scene and you were saying, this would be really good news if, fill in the blank. Maybe if your marriage was restored. Maybe if you had food in your pantry. Maybe if you had some money in the bank. Maybe if you had a vacation in the future. Well, I mean, you could have all sorts of different things that you could look at. Maybe today it would actually be healing for your life. Maybe it would be freedom in your life today. What would be good news for you? This is what he proclaimed. Good news, but of what? This kind of shifts the perspective. Good news of the kingdom of God. If we want to look back just a few verses in verse 17, he says... These words. It says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this kingdom of heaven now being at hand, this is the good news. This is the gospel that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This word repent comes from the Greek. It's called metanoia. means to literally rethink, to rethink everything. And he tells, comes on the scene to those in Galilee He says, Rethink everything that you have learned, everything that you have lived for, everything that the culture may be proclaiming, and see who I am and what I'm doing, that I'm bringing forth the kingdom of God. Now, I want to kind of look at this in three different, three different groups of people, and we're going to kind of bounce back and forth, I think now, between the three things, but we're going to look at the kingdom today, we're going to look at the crowd today, and we're going to look at the blessings today. And I want to step into the life right now of the crowd because we see he came. He came proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. First time we see this people, this group, this crowd. And so his fame spread throughout all Assyria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them, and he healed them. And so if you just imagine Jesus, once again, real person on the scene, it's like he comes on the scene, he this proclamation, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, at hand, which means now that you can experience it, all of its fruit and its bountifulness. And here's what he ends up doing. He goes to a, a young woman, who has maybe had a disease for many years and begins to proclaim good news in her life. What would be good news for the person that needs that has that disease right now? It's very simple. What would it be? Healing. 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 And not only that, he probably preaches and teaches, proclaims, hey, you know, I, I am the one promised to come. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. Doesn't say that. We can just maybe allude to it. But then from there, he doesn't just meet her, but he meets other individuals. Different different struggles, different problems, different things that you can see through here. Uh, the, one, the King James Version says lunatic. There's one version there. It's like some of the lunatics were like made sane. Think about that. It's like, man, that may be me today. And slowly over the course of time, imagine not so much from crowds being the way in which you started, but individuals being the place of which you began. And he started to interact one by one and miracles began to happen. Healings began to happen. And then lo and behold, if you were the person that just got touched and healed, what are you going to be doing? Telling everybody, telling everybody, you will not believe who I just met. He's like this carpenter guy. But then whenever he touched me, everything was made new. Like, think about that. You're telling everybody and they do. It says, word begins to spread all throughout Syria, all throughout the surrounding region. And before you know it, people are coming to him in droves. Why? Because they want to experience good news in their life. And if you go through this whole list, what would have been good news for them? Well, let's look at this. Physical healing would have been some good news for them. Physical healing. Number one, to have these afflictions to be in bondage to whatever disease or sin, to have these things just weighing upon them now to see this glimmer of healing come into their life, to see a man come on the scene, to see them recognize him. But physical healing would be number one. The second would be hope. You imagine being caught in a bondage or caught in, in this disease and you begin to hear of people like you being healed. What's gonna begin to happen? You're gonna begin to have hope. You're going to move from hopelessness and despair to now beginning to have some hope that maybe he could do the same for me. And then you're going to begin to see and experience compassion, probably for the very first time. You see, in our age, we have there through all sorts of different organizations, the hospitals, the care, whatever it may be, you see people that get shown compassion. They get shown care. But in this day and time, to have any sort of maybe affliction or disease or to maybe be ladled or titled of anything that maybe have been countercultural, you would have been considered an outcast or maybe potentially a nobody or maybe just somebody that was pushed aside, not somebody to be reverenced or to be thought of, let's put highly, to be highly thought of by somebody else. And so they get to experience this. Compassion. They get to experience the love of God coming in the form of his son Jesus through the healings, through hope and faith coming alive, and then to this complete and total compassion. But then as I come here to the close, we see this sign of God's kingdom is now at hand. Jesus came proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God. He proclaimed, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, is at hand or has drawn near and then what's he do after proclaiming it? Boom, he demonstrates it. This is what my kingdom looks like. This is the power of which I have through my Father that is coming into the world to redeem, to restore, to bring life to all those that the society has pushed aside. This is the crowd. This is the crowd. And man, they are gathering. They are gathering all around And this crowd is coming. Now, oftentimes they're coming here, once again, to receive so much good news, to to be a part of this good news. But everything that Jesus is doing is in this proclamation and demonstration of the kingdom of God is here. Now, here's the simple question. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? So let's talk about this one for just a moment. The kingdoms of God. It says it's good news that we can see that in the the crowd here, those they are being healed. That it signifies not only physical restoration in their life, but also a deeper spiritual reality. And what's that reality? That God's kingdom is stepping into their life, breaking into their lives, and bringing restoration, wholeness, and salvation. This is incredibly good news. They are now experiencing hope, relief, and assurance, not only from a man, but of God, from God. They're experiencing God's love coming down to them, experiencing this. And what they're seeing in comparison to maybe the life they lived and the life that they've been in is that they're seeing now in their life that the rule and the reign of God that the rule and reign of God, that his kingdom is good. That his kingdom is very good. That it restores all that is broken. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 kind of helps us get to this moment where we can see, where we can see what's happening a little bit fuller. That he has delivered. What is his kingdom doing? That his kingdom, that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. The domain of darkness is like, you know, the, all that we may see, all that may have held us captive, all that may be held us in bondage and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. This is the kingdom. And what does this bring to life here is that the kingdom, it says in in verse 17 that the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, My upbringing was very much that the kingdom of God was something to be had in the future. What would we call that? Heaven, right? So maybe you've gone through your life and and you had this proclamation that this is, you know, where you started was here, you were born. And then your life is basically just the culminating point of whether or not you make the right decisions or make make the right statement of faith, make the right proclamations, have the right faith, have the right trust so that you can go to heaven and not go to hell. That's like the summation of what you would see most of what the American gospel beginning to paint and portray that everything is pointing to the end, that faith and trust in Jesus will, will lead to a better hope for a future in heaven, that that was the biggest thing and that you definitely don't want to go to hell. Maybe that's the paint, picture you've been painting. And I'm not saying that necessarily that's wrong. We don't see that, that we don't necessarily see that in scripture. I think that's definitely so true in so many ways. But what we see here is that the kingdom is now. It's near at hand. For those that were in the crowd, what did they begin to experience? The good news of God in their life now. You see, we like to think about the future hope. Here's some verses that may bring you to life. Philippians 3, 20 through 21, puts a few of these. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Man, don't you just long for the day to where your physical body, all that, all that is broken or wrong would just be completely and totally gone. Don't you just, with all sickness and disease would just be no more. Don't you just long for that day. Then Philippians 2.10 says, So that the name of Jesus, this proclamation at the end, this future hope, This name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. This proclamation, this end hope. And so I'm not going to take away from what we have in the future. Gosh, God gives us a beautiful picture of what that could be. A new heaven, a new earth. Imagine this, all evil and sin being completely now separated from God. Completely and totally. Imagine that. We can't. We can't even fathom it. But all sin and evil gone and only God's righteousness and goodness being displayed. That's the future hope. But here's what we get to see, is that we are in the tension of both the now and the not yet. That his kingdom is both now for you and for me, but then also not yet. And so for those that we got to see that are part of the crowd, is that it is good news that the reign of Christ has come. Because you can begin to experience the kingdom of God now. But the full kingdom of God is not yet. But the kingdom is bringing forth good news, is bringing forth hope to the crowd. Now what the crowd doesn't know yet, or maybe they may recognize it and see, but we see the crowd continuing to follow and continue to gather It says in verse 25, And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, from beyond the Jordan. And then beginning in chapter 5, verse 1, Seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. His disciples came to him. And so we see here the picture of the crowd now growing and becoming larger and larger because of everything that has happened, everything that Jesus has been doing and proclaiming. But then also, out, that's like the outer circle, but then what you see is that Jesus brings a few close. And you almost see like this distinction happening between the disciples and the crowd. Maybe those that are hearing and getting to see all that God is doing, experiencing all, all that God is doing, but maybe not yet fully fully committed to who God is. And so we kind of have these two groups of people, the disciples, Jesus has called them out, and then we see the crowd. And we bring to life this picture of what God has been doing over the course of all time, all time, throughout all history. You have got to see God do this one thing where God continually, God continually, from beginning to end, God calls out a people for himself. Now, I need you to give me five minutes. Five minutes here. We're going historical, okay? Historical. Not like your wife does or your girlfriend does, but we're just going back in time just for a moment, okay? And I want to show you how this has been a theme that God has used, that God continually calls out a people. He draws a people to himself. In Genesis chapter 1, In the very beginning, we see the creation. And who are the two people that he creates, the man and the woman? Anybody know? Adam and Eve. And what does he do with Adam and Eve? He gives them dominion over all that has been created. What is their sole purpose of life? To bring forth the rule and reign of God over all creation. Now, what happens? Eve, Eve breaks one of the commandments or the big commandment, right? What was it? She ate of the tree of life that she should not have ate of. She shouldn't have. And then we see that this whole fall then happens where it's like sin comes into the world. And then throughout the sin, we see all of the things that begin to trickle down from it. But then God in his faithfulness, he brings forth this guy, his name is Abraham. And in Genesis 12, one through three, he makes a covenant with Abram, who we now know as Abraham. And he says this to Abraham in verse in chapter twelve, verses one through three, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We see God continually bringing forth, but definitely here, this word called covenant. Where I will be your God and you will be my people. And our relationship will be like no others. Our honor and our care for one another, for our, my care for you will be like no other. And then he begins to proclaim this group of people throughout the Old Testament. We see them raise up in what we call the nation of Israel. Where anybody's seen the movie, The Prince of Egypt? Yeah, it's like an old school Disney movie, right? Yeah, it's like that was a reality. To where God raises up this man named Moses to deliver his people from Pharaoh, from slavery, from bondage. And then he leads them out into the wilderness and then he brings up Moses to the the mountain where he gives a a new law, the commands that sets his people apart from the entire nations. And he gives them an identity and calls them into a life of obedience to his will that is good and right. And then he gives them this mission this incredible mission that comes that they would be a light to all of the nations and everyone, all of the nations would witness the greatness and righteousness of God. They would reflect God's character. They would be promoting His justice, proclaiming His salvation to the world. But here's what happens. They fail utterly and terribly. The entire Old Testament if you want to look here, I'm in Matthew right now. All that you see here is the Old Testament, and here's what I love about it's so real and it's so honest because it's like they just fell over and over again. You see a a generation rise up where they forget the Lord, or they do not honor Him, or they do whatever is good and right in their own eyes. And you know what the God does? You know what God does? He lets them have their way. It's like you know, you do you, boo. He's like, you go right ahead. Tell me where it leads you. And you know where it always leads them? To death, to bondage, to imprisonment, to slavery, to always being back to the places that they never wanted to be. And then here's what ends up happening. That generation will pass away, and then here will arise a new generation that will remember the Lord. And then they call out to Him. And you know what He does? He restores them. He brings them back under His love, care, and guidance. But He also says, this is who you are. Now obey. Live in obedience to me because I promise it'll be better than anything you'd imagine. And you know what they ended up doing? They fell. A new generation rises up and they forget the Lord. The cycle repeats over and over again, but then the prophets come in towards the end of the Old Testament and to begin to proclaim this new hope, this new hope that would bring restoration and redemption. That God, even through all of the disobedience, even through all the failures, the Old Testament tells us that God will be faithful all the way to the end. That He will be faithful. That He will keep His covenant. And there became this new word that began to pop up. A Messiah would come. A Messiah would come that would redeem and restore all that has been broken. And here's what's awesome about this Redeemer, this future Messiah, this future hope, is that it would be a hope that would go not to just the Jewish people, but would actually go to all nations. Revelations 7.9 kind of looks at this moment there where in the very end it says, after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That all nations, all people would get to experience the restoration and redemption And then through this, they would see the incredible fellowship now with the Father. And who is this? How does this come to life? That was my historical moment, okay? You've been there? You with me? Take a deep breath. We've gone way back through the Old Testament, and this redemption and restoration is now here through Jesus. It is now here through Jesus. He is bringing forth the new kingdom, new kingdom. He's bringing forth the new covenant. And here's what he's doing. He is calling forth a people. And you know where he begins? You know where he begins, his ministry. Well, let me tell you where he doesn't begin. He doesn't go up to Rome. He doesn't go up to Caesar and say, hey, I need the most like elite people that you have on my team. No, he doesn't go there. He doesn't go to the religious elites and say, hey, I am the son of God. I'm bringing forth the kingdom. And listen, I want you all to be the ones to help me lead it. No, he doesn't go there at all. Who does he go to? That's right. He goes to the crowd. He goes to the crowd. He goes to the ones that have been cast out. He goes to, in chapter four, to a few fishermen. He begins to say, hey, come follow me. We're about to do something new and it has nothing to do with the religious establishments nor it has nothing to do with the pagan establishments. I am bringing forth the kingdom of God and here's where it's going to begin. It's going to begin with you, with the crowd. To those that have been cast out, to those that have been labeled as nobodies, to those that find themselves, as verse three says, poor in spirit, to those who are mourning. If we want to look at just the Beatitudes, you can see in Matthew chapter 5, He begins to call out this new type of people. The meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. This is where He begins. This is where He begins. And this group of people, this is what I love so much about the Gospel. If you were ever just like, taken aback by it is that Jesus is that he does something different and he does things different in two ways is that he chooses the people that nobody would ever expect hey that's me and you he chooses us different people to bring forth a different message to bring forth a different kind of hope to bring forth something that has been proclaimed throughout time as so countercultural, that you have heard it said but I tell you, or to lay forth these standards of what it may mean that bring forth life into your life. It is so completely and totally different from anything that we have seen or experienced. And so what do they look like, the people that Jesus is calling? What does it look like, the people that he's drawing to himself? It looks like me and you. If you really see yourself that way, it looks like the Jason Finleys of the world. Can you amen? Come on come on. Looks like the Corey G's of the world. Looks like the Aaron Ravens of the world. It looks like us that understand where we are without God. Understands those that have been broken. Those that have been found yourself to be in bondage. Ones that have found yourself to be poor. Not only physically, but also poor spirit. This is who he, he says different, a different group of people. And how does He then begin to proclaim this new group of people? We see this in the disciples. You know, kind of got the crowd behind. And we see the first disciples, those who have truly stepped out in faith. The ones that are truly. I think this is what oftentimes separates the crowds from the disciples. And we would even say the same thing today is that we proclaim. What were the disciples able and ready to do at that time? They were able to proclaim Jesus as Lord. That Jesus is Lord. Do you know who the Lord was during this time? Caesar. You know what it would have meant to proclaim Jesus is Lord? Death. Death. But among all things that he experienced, he began to proclaim. Those that were were following him at this time were proclaimed, Jesus is Lord. And those that he probably healed in touch, he began to see and proclaim, listen, Caesar, you think your kingdom is good? You think your and reign is good? Listen, I just got to experience and meet this guy named Jesus. He's Lord. He's Lord. In the kingdom of God, it gives us a new vision, a new loyalty, a new allegiance that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And as he looks at the disciples and he proclaims, He's about to give this teaching with the crowd all around as well. What is the first word that Jesus uses to describe this new people? To describe the people that God is stepping into. To describe them that are stepping into this new kingdom. He uses this word, blessed. In the Beatitudes, you see in verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, how many of you like to say, like, bless your heart? You know, like, who says that a lot? Just be honest. Like, have a confession moment. Bless your heart. You kind of use it as an insult, don't you? Most of the time. It's not like a, hmm, bless your heart, honey. Bless your heart. But then we also said, man, you're just blessed. Or I, I, Matt Jackson, if you see him on a Sunday morning, he'll come in and say, man, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. Well, what's this word mean? What does it really mean to be blessed? Another little Greek version here that was blessed, Makarios, we see this being portrayed in a few different ways. Whenever you say the word blessed, what do you mean? What do you mean? Some of you would connect that blessed means I found favor, not undeserved. I've got got favor on my life. Maybe that's it. Maybe when you say blessed, you mean that I'm happy. And when we look at the interpretations of this, that may be what he is saying somewhat. Somewhat, maybe. But happy is oftentimes depicted by our external circumstances. Happiness in the world is what everyone craves. Happiness is what you want in your life. You want to be happy. You want to, but oftentimes happiness is determined by what you have or what you are experiencing. And so he's portraying something that has to go way beyond just your circumstances, way beyond just maybe what you're experiencing right now. In this moment, the people he's talking to, would they be experiencing joy, happiness? Absolutely. But we like to see happiness connected to, like, even successism, like the Western culture up and to the right, my life is getting better and better. I don't think that's what he's saying here is blessed in. But there's another way which we've seen this is interpreted that it's congratulated. It's like congratulations. Bringing to life here this blessed congratulations. It's like you have found favor with God. And then it's like, then it's also an envious word. You ever just tried to congratulate somebody and you're kind of like congratulations? You know, it's like you really wanted that for your own life. It's like when you, you lose the prize and you get second place and you're like congratulations to the first place winner, right? You know, what I mean? maybe that's what it is. But there's this deep sense that he is portraying here blessed, that you have found favor with God, that there is this happiness or this joy that goes beyond all comprehension, and that there's just this feeling within your soul of just you have found God. He has found you. There's this connection that you have, that there's this joy that you have. Blessed. You're blessed. And so the whole world is longing for this. And the enemy is doing everything in his power to offer all the other things in this world that will bring you happiness. But sin and the evil one, it's just deceitful. It's just deceitful. And so he promises here, blessed. Blessed are those. Blessed are the. And so what do we find, this group of people, what do they get to experience? Blessings. The blessing of God. Isaiah 61 has some similar conversations here, some similar uses. This is looking back in time once again. Isaiah 61, the prophet, he says this. He said, the Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. How many did they feel that way? To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Imagine that day. You feel so bondage. You feel just just entangled today. But here he is saying, "We proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound." Come on, that is good good news. But he continues on to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. This proclamation from old now becoming the reality of the here and now and also of the not yet. This future hope and this present reality that the kingdom of God is here and this is what it looks like. And this is what you'll experience. And this is what it could be for your life. The kingdom Now, finding itself on all of the least likely of people declaring what God thinks of them and what God thinks of you. The powerless, the weak, the nobodies. God's kingdom begins here. God's kingdom begins with you and with me. To the poor, to the crushed, to the defeated. The gospel is a declaration of what God in his grace has done for us through Christ. And it affirms this blessing, this state of blessing that already exists now because of what he has done. I love this little connection point. If we go to verse 24 and we look at him coming and he healed every disease and every affliction among the people, what did the people do to deserve that? What did they do to deserve that? Anybody know the answer? Nothing, nothing. That's right, nothing. But you know what they did do? They showed up. They showed up and they got to see God and they got to experience him through his son, Jesus. And so the same is true for us today is that how do you receive this blessing is that it's so much that you can't. It's through God's grace that we can. Not our own merit, not our own devices but only through his grace the blessings promise, this free gift, the blessing of God's rule now coming and tasted now in our life we see the inheritance of both earth and heaven see comfort coming, satisfaction coming, mercy coming the vision and the experience of being a child of God coming into the reality here and now and so I just want to challenge you today. Who's looking for good news? Who finds themselves in the crowd? Who finds himself broken? Who finds himself in bondage? Who finds themselves entangled? Who finds himself captive? What's good news for you? What's going to bring you life? What's going to bring you the blessings? And as we want to start with this series, is that Jesus is proclaiming that He is the one. That He is the one. If it were not for God's grace, none of us would actually be blessed. None of us would be blessed. For those that, of us that join ourselves to God's kingdom, those of us put our faith and trust in Him, that proclaim Him as Lord of our life, get to then step into this reality that is the kingdom of God. Breaking into our reality right here, right now. And so as we close, I just want to have a few different responses for you today. And number one, just maybe all heads bowed, just a moment of reflection today. Maybe today you literally just find yourself in the crowd and you're hearing that there's somebody now that's proclaiming good news. That as Isaiah says, that that literally will set you free, that will bring restoration to your life, that will take all that is broken and restore. Maybe you find yourself in the crowd and you were brought here by somebody else that says, hey, you won't believe what Jesus has done for me. You won't believe how Jesus has freed me. You won't believe how Jesus has saved me. And you were brought here today by somebody else who was in the crowd but is now in the kingdom and they're proclaiming who Jesus is and who he can be for you. And so if you find yourself in that place here in a moment, I'm gonna be standing up here in the front or after service, if you want to find me, we would love to just walk out with you just a little bit more of what this surrender life, what does it really mean to proclaim Jesus as Lord? But that's your first step today, to show up, come to Him. Experience His love, His goodness, His mercy, and His grace on your life today. That's the first person. The second one I want to remind you of is that maybe you have put your faith and trust in Jesus and you have been wondering, is there really hope for the here and now? And as we're gonna see over the next few weeks, is that yes, there is. Man, there's a future hope that we have, but we are seeing that God's kingdom is at work here and now within us. So there's good news to be experienced here and now. So step into that, believe in that, trust in that, that the blessing of God on your life is real and is true. the third thing I want to do today is to challenge you. As we pray about Carter County, just to shift gears of what, what this means. We're here in Carter County, and man, there's just a heartbeat within us that we just want to be good news. And there's all sorts of other voices and all sorts of other things that the culture is trying to portray as good news for our county. But here's what we want to say is that good news is only found in the kingdom of God. It's only found in what Jesus is doing and has done. And we just want you to see here today that that God, among all people, is using you to bring about that kingdom, that you are, as you use the word, you are his ambassadors to bring forth the good news to your family, to your friends, to our county, to see those that were captive break free, to see those who are bondage and their sin be forgiven. You, my friends, are the ambassadors. You are the ambassadors today of this kingdom. So three different responses today. I pray that God just moves in your life. I pray that you keep showing up to hear more and more about what this blessed life is, about what that means to be blessed in the kingdom of God. Dearly Father, we thank you for bringing us in your house. Lord, we pray for your spirit just to continue to move amongst us, Lord, to speak to us, God, in the way in which only you can, God, to open our eyes up to the reality of who you are, to the reality of your kingdom, to the reality of your sacrifice lord on the on the cross for for all god for those who would believe and put their faith and trust in you to all those that would repent rethink about the rule and reign of their life and step into your rule and reign over them we love you today in jesus name amen